0: No, not word at all. I rely on God, Allah. All right, Chef
1: Saifam. We got a very unique prop, especially in honor of you. <laughs>
0: wow. So know. we want to get That's a amazing. good, I think we got to get a... I just, I, I, need, a, uh, I need a ship in it as well. <laughs> exploring
1: history. This is, and this is the, we got to get a nice picture with uh, the Sheikh like this.
0: Wow. And then we're gonna have exploring history. So the of...
2: Prime Minister of Canada, Deep Baker. Okay. This is from the Museum Deep Baker Museum. Wow. For Canadian history, this is what they used to use uh, back. he like has it on there. Like it's
0: this just... quite real. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, even even the vision is. Uh... On the side, it'll say. Get a nice work. portrait one, you know. Wow, it's amazing. Especially the ones on pirates. and uh, you know, there is a movie called Amazing Grace. It's one of my favorites. It's about the abolition of slave trade. And uh, even those guys used to use instruments. And most importantly, um, in the British, not the British Museum, Victorian Albert Museum, there is a telescope uh, which belonged to Tipu Sotan. Looks exactly the same, clearly produced in the 18th, yeah. century. It's an 18th century. It's an 18th century product. And he, he was very modern in using technology and And taking advantage of it, you know. So, what a present! Thank you so much, guys. Amazing. It's um, it really brings back a lot of uh, how can I put it memories. I mean, in terms of reading books and reading into history. I'm a historian by by nature, I would say. Okay, it's part of my DNA. I don't know why, but I love history, and I have a lot of passion for it. So I like historic objects. Um, people like modern cars and technology and gadgets and phones and stuff like that. People are into that kind of stuff, but nothing pleases me more than holding on to a historic object, which is original from the past. It's something real. Basically, you're holding history in your hand. So that's why it's one of my obsessions to, you know, collect historic objects like manuscripts and coins and documents and things like that. What
2: started your passion? Um, Collecting,
0: I, I would say my ancestral history, um, I grew up looking at my ancestral library and um, I looked at books, we left behind some swords, even a spear, you know, oh, so those guys were quite active. This works yeah. as
2: a retractable baton. Yeah,
0: absolutely, <laughs> it's, quite, it's quite heavy, it's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you can use, you People you know, won't use.
2: expect it. Yes,
0: kind of loved, and that's the kind of stuff that uh, got me going. History, you know, um, I started collecting coins as a young youngster, uh, and then collecting books. Uh, even as a as a teenager, um, I was reading novels and collecting them. Do
2: you do this in isolation, or you had a family member or someone who inspired you? My or father, friends? my father,
0: inspired me into this. He he was the one who started collecting manuscripts, handwritten books from the Indian subcontinent, maybe because that's where he, he lived and um, he was collecting a lot of manuscripts coming his way so that got me going into it and my interest got triggered in 2005 and then i got involved and alhamdulillah since then it's been a very uh how can i put it active journey do you ever think about when you're holding a historical object about the person who need it and just interpret- i always do yourself in their Absolutely. Mind. I, I even imagine myself sitting in that room where this person was writing this manuscript yeah. and how long it might have taken that person to write it and what kind of ink he might have used, what kind of clothes was he wearing, what lamp was he using, okay, what kind of circumstances what about winter, cold, summer all these things taken take into account uh, you know, so you really have to put yourself in, in the, even the coins when I look at the coins, I imagine the the striking of those coins, people who are striking them, where were they striking? Them? You, you
2: ever imagine, kind of you're coins. holding the coin, you ever imagine, you know, maybe one of the Sahaba touched
0: this coin? Yeah, oh. absolutely. And I have coins from that period. Uh, you, you may even see some of them uh, on this trip. Oh, inshallah. Good, <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. good yeah. foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> the last companion died in 110. His name was Abu Tofayla, Amir bin Baathila. Uh, and he died, according to some reports, 105, some say 107, some say 110. So, um, so, nevertheless, he died past 100. And uh, coins minted in the 90s, obviously were minted when he was alive.
2: Yeah. You know we have identity crisis, so what do you do? For uh, youth, not just youth, people say youth all the time. It's not a youth problem. It's actually an Ummah problem. We all yeah. have
1: this identity problem. To... I don't know if you want to save this for the podcast, because it's like good conversation. Yeah,
0: I think so.
2: Because
1: um, you know, the differentiation makes is like the way sometimes you sometimes presented. Well, youth are losing their identity. Well, if the generation before it didn't also like it, they didn't instill it properly, then it's not just like an isolation and a vacuum, it's a gene, mm-hmm. right? That maybe it's the accumulation of identity being lost mm-hmm. every single generation. Mm-hmm. And so now we're seeing a cumulative effect or sometimes that effect is exacerbated when there is uh, a dramatic shift in environment. Mm-hmm. You know, like, for example, the Muslims living as minorities here, right? Yeah,
0: Islamophobia. Yeah. I believe Islamophobia is one of the greatest catalysts it's one of the greatest triggers to reignite uh, passion for Muslim identity. Uh, youth who would have uh, otherwise completely, um, they would have been ignorant about their history. now uh, They are now discovering uh, their past. Yeah. And I believe it's similar to what happened in, in, the, in the U.S. Mm. Uh, when, when Afro-Americans were deprived of their history, mm. their heritage, and they tried to rediscover it in the early 20th century when they had realized what brutality they had gone through. Mm-hmm. So similarly, uh, events like uh, oppression, I mean, not events like processes, mm-hmm. like oppression and uh, discrimination and hatred, mm-hmm. uh, things like Islamophobia, let's say, mm-hmm. uh, they do trigger people uh, into dis- into discovering mm-hmm. who they are. What did they stand for? Maybe our elders didn't face that kind of uh, situation. Mm. We are facing those situations today yes. because we live in a hostile environment. The media has created it. But Allah works in wonderful ways. Sometimes you need Firaun uh, to wake Banu uh, Israel. You know, you need Firaun to. To bring about a Musa, we, our history is full of incidents like this, mm-hmm. where people got oppressed, they got conned, and they suddenly woke up to their their, their origin, their mm-hmm. identity, their faith. Actually, it's interesting that you mention
1: uh, the case of the African Americans, because what hap- what happened with them, the evolution that we saw, especially uh, with you know their civil rights movement mm-hmm. in the nineteen sixties and the nineteen seventies, is that prior to that there was almost a feeling of self-hatred because they looked upon their history as something lowly, Mm. uh, something that is that they should be proud of. Uh, They looked at Africa, for example, as being something that's backwards and Mm. we want to be, we're lucky to be here in more advanced civilization and things like that. What happened in the sixties and seventies is that they revived this pan Africanism Mm. and like, uh, appreciation for african culture african history mm. and that was synonymous that happened in parallel with them reviving that self-confidence like you, you understand what i'm saying absolutely. so it it's almost like it's needed mm. you know what i mean it's, right. it's needed for that identity and that revival is that you need to appreciate know your history and be proud of your history yes Yes. Because it seems like the colonizer makes you hate yourself yes. by making you hate your history and not knowing your history. That's
0: right. That's right. I mean, right now as we speak, even Muslims are being conditioned into thinking mm-hmm. that our history is not all that great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Muslims did not achieve all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is another view, let's say, or there are nuances. Sometimes people mm-hmm. speak in academic terms yeah. and they're just trying, they're trying to undermine yeah. your history and your heritage, yes. right? That's why it is, it is necessary for us to rediscover. Okay? And don't forget, behind the 60s and the 70s, were people like uh, Marcus Garvey. Yes. Right? Uh, they, were, they were people who woke up. Yes. And they realized what was happening. So they started to talk about it. Uh, and the first thing is to talk about it. Talk about the problems. Talk about the history. And, uh, and what caused those things to happen. And then how can we resolve those things? How can we prevent these things from happening again? Mm. So, past 200 years for the Muslims have been very tough. Uh, colonialism and then post-colonialism. We're still going through a period of uh, partial clo- colonialism in many ways. So we need to really understand what colonialism was, what it did, how it was done. Mm. And then once you understand all of that, you can you can predict a better future for ourselves. Mm. And
2: we're looking at... Identity. It seems that people think that it's something that's like, uh, like the identity crisis happening now. But old generation is not going through identity crisis or didn't have an identity crisis. But it seems more towards like the the notion that you know that identity is a constantly changing thing. So Sorry. even like I've seen our uncles and aunties get addicted to phones yeah. today more mm. than even youngsters. Mm. Like, uh, I' was, uh, like you know we we're, were eating breakfast of course I noticed that like a lot of older people are just on like older meaning, like you know above 60s and so on their phones so their identity and the way that they shape and see themselves now and the way that they operate on a daily basis the way they see the world now is uh, has also changed but almost I feel like we bought into valuing capitalism and the values of capitalism to the point where people will not see Islamic history as something that should be part of their their, their identity and something they need to invest in because they don't see the value in it. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. where is the money? Where? Like, you, what, what monetary benefit do I get mm-hmm. by learning about history? Mm-hmm. That's almost the mindset of decision making in general. Mm-hmm. You
0: don't university.
1: understand the utility of knowing history.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, you obviously being this is your passion, but that's the problem: is that people don't understand the massive utility, you know, of like in a practical real-life effect, right? And I think one has to just look at the Qur'an. Mm. Allah taught, like, yes, we, we need to know about that. Because you're going to face every day
0: a situation that you can draw from history. Exactly, absolutely. So the purpose of history is to draw lessons, mm-hmm. to live a better present, and to better predict your future, mm-hmm. right? So if you uh, look back, and see what people went through. Like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands in the Quran, see under okay. Okay, go in the land and see what happened to people before you. Why is Allah telling us that? So that we can take lessons and 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 avoid those mistakes. Avoid those pitfalls. Okay? Because uh, when you when you go on a road, okay, when you are when you are upon a path, there will be potholes, there will be obstacles there will be robbers trying to rob you. It's a long road, what we call life, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the ways to have a safe journey is to talk to someone who has been on that road. That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is trying to teach us through history. Allah is the one who is, who is the guide, who is the hadith, mm-hmm. as we say, right? So he's trying to tell us that this is where the potholes are. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is where people went wrong. This is where the robbery took place. Be careful about this. Be, be, be care- yes. And once we learn from that, we have a smooth journey. That's why history is absolutely crucial. Mm. So when people say that history doesn't really change what happens now mm. or what what is to happen in the future, they are wrong. Yes. Because we are facing very similar issues. Could one make the analogy
1: that, you know, in, as just as an individual on a micro level, the way that you mature and you develop as a person mm. and the way that you show the evolution of your intelligence is because you're drawing upon you know, a previous day, your accumulated life experiences. And then on a macro level, on a societal level, Mm. what human beings and the history that's, uh, you know, been accomplished through humanity, right, that should lead, right, to the advancement. That should actually be the the basis of how we build an advanced civilization of learning from that. Mm. And perhaps the reason why we find ourselves again in so many different conflicts, Mm. so many different problems, Mm. is because You've done that maybe in your life, or people mm. have done that, mm. you know, on a micro level in their own life. Mm. This is how I become a better person. I learned what I did, mm. you know, my college days, I don't do the same thing, because mm. I was stupid then. Mm. But society is repeating the same mistakes because they don't look back at one decade ago, That's two true. decades
0: ago, one, one century, two This centuries. is where your intellectuals, yeah. your policy makers, yeah. your advisors, uh, they come in, yes. right? They are the ones who guide you. Uh, they give you social solutions, right? Solutions that are socially relevant, uh, and those solutions have to be based upon their study of the past. Yes. Okay. So once they study the past, they can uh, they can serve as the shepherd of the flock, right? Uh, and the shepherd's job is to 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 protect the flock from mm-hmm. any harm. And again, it comes back to the same example. I mean, if you are on a path and you are taking a flock on that path. Uh, you have to know where the pot holes are, where the, where the dangers are, mm. uh, where the wolves are, let's say, you know, to protect the flock. Mm. So that's why we need shepherds. Okay, The reason why we have this micro-development of individuals not impacting the, the society at large is because we don't have enough shepherds. Yes. So we need more and more shepherds, more and more uh, scholars, intellectuals, thinkers. Okay. We have too many lawyers, too many accountants. Too many doctors to Do apologize, Dr. Omar and <laughs> Dr. Sadia, okay, uh, which is great. Absolutely amazing. We need all these people, right? But too many people are doing this. Yeah. We need some too people great, now. Too many
1: people doing it exclusively. Yeah. As we know from our history, like, we've had people that maybe they had one thing, okay, hmm. as a profession, but what what has happened in this capitalist society hmm. is your profession has defined you. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we have ulema in the past too. Yeah. We have historians, we have great people in the past yeah. who've had like if you look at their actual biography, mm-hmm. multi talented, this mm-hmm. is how they provided for their family, like okay, they had a farm, they had a business. But that didn't define them. Yeah. But in a capitalist society, mm-hmm. what's given so much value and emphasis and so mm-hmm. then you don't read like as you were saying, there's no value in history. Yeah. So why would I, you know, spend thousands of dollars building in Islamic or a historic, you know, historical library, like I know you have, you know, into books and collecting manuscripts and all these different things, right? What what's the what's going to be the monetary benefit of that, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think that's also I think the 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 zeitgeist of what's mm. you know kind of
2: enveloping everyone today, like drawing mm. everyone in today. Mm. That's mm. an important distinction. Like people think your identity today is like who you are and what you do have become synonymous terms when actually can be different that's right what you do doesn't necessarily mean that's who you are right and when i or what you
0: stand for what you
2: stand for what you believe or what your values are right? Mm. and so for example like when i see you grab this Mm. the thing i see when i i I see joy on your face Mm. Mm. see i don't see you picking that up Mm. just the pragmatics of learning the lessons of history to know now what to do in the future that can be a big benefit that we can learn about history from but i literally see joy on your face Mm -hmm. so it seems to me that it's you know we're sentient beings in the sense that we don't we're not robots where we're just thinking about how do we increase efficiency effectiveness Mm -hmm. on the next iteration of what we're doing doing. Mm -hmm. we think about meaning Mm -hmm. meaningfulness purpose fulfillment exactly and i feel like Mm -hmm. the history That we have, especially the Islamic history we have, Mm. is so deep and rich Mm. with meaning that if you can touch it, Mm. you will literally be a more happier person.
0: Absolutely. And
2: when I see that you touch, like you know, I watch your videos, like like about the uh, coins, about you know, even when you're talking about making sugar, Mm. you know, from sugar cane and stuff like that in, in Pakistan, and I see your face and I see that this is not. Uh, an academic exercise for you. No, it's not. This is something deeper. It's part of your consciousness. Yes. Because
1: as you mentioned, an animal is looking for, okay, this is what is going to be the physical, Mm. material benefit. Mm. Right? Mm. But it seems like, you know, the higher consciousness is seeking that meaning Mm. from history, from relationships, from
0: everything. That's why our faith, our history is beyond the material. Yes. Okay, it's not about paving roads, yeah. building skyscrapers, and creating machines. It's yes. about uh, making better human beings. It's
1: part of the way yes. you said it, because yes. in the Quran, yes. what does Allah always ask us? What mm-hmm. happened to the people before? Did you not see yes. the
0: result yes. of those
1: civilizations monuments. Yes. and
0: monuments yes. and structures? Allah says that no one like them was created yes. before them. They were very powerful, yes. and 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 you can see that when you see those monuments, yes. they carved mountains. Yes, without your drilling machines mm. and all the technology yes. you have today, they carved mountains. Yes, with bare hands. Yeah. So they were some phenomenal uh, creatures, yes. right? And Allah mentions them specifically with that quality. Yeah. And despite all that, they, they perished because they they, yeah. they 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 were completely focused on that yeah. the stone. Yes. Okay. The the art or the carving okay yeah. uh, this is why paul he, he summarized it beautifully um uh, in one of his uh, uh in one of his poems he said um uh, kafir hatu uh, sorry uh, kafir ki pehchan ke wo afaq mein gum hai momin ki ye pehchan ke gum usme hai afaq okay so he's saying a disbeliever someone who is uh, driven by material uh, materialism let's say right uh, he's lost in his materialism mm-hmm. all he can see is material material objects around him you know he's possibly looking at the, the universe um, what we today people we call empiricists right mm-hmm. okay he's simply lost in the empirical uh, in this universe yes. but the believer he has the cosmos lost in him. So, the, this believer is lost in the cosmos, mm. okay? But the cosmos is lost it's in the believer, <laughs> okay? So, this is this is the difference. Someone yeah, yeah. who is just looking at the, the, the outward, yes. uh, you know, reality of something. Yeah. But a believer is someone yeah. who basically takes everything in. Yes, yeah. yes. It's a very deep thought. Yeah, in no, no was, he thought yeah. was amazing. He, he was uh, like... A huge, I think,
1: source of revival. Yeah, a huge source, and I yeah. think really gave um, a strong like we're talking about identity. Mm. Uh, you know, I think that shows you the power of words. Yes, you know, so, because you know, a lot of times we undermine that mm. ideas, words, mm. and we look at the finished product of those structures, but those structures all started from ideas, design, knowledge. It would not have been even that even that in a physical sense would not have been created. Mm. But you know subhanallah, you know, imagine like the power of these poetry, you know, takes like you have this overwhelming machine of colonialism mm. and words are what kind of turn it upside down mm. in the in the heart of a person. Mm. It frees the chains mm. of that overwhelming machine. Mm. And if you even look even obviously before that what is our entire kalam Allah? Mm. Mm. Words are powerful. Yes. The most powerful thing on the face of the earth mm. uh, that we have experienced is hadaya from kalimullah. Yes. You know, words are powerful. I yes. think we don't appreciate, yes. you know, the effect and the impact mm. every single word that we utter has. Yes. Absolutely. And the thought—if you put thought into it, mm. and you put like as we were talking about the double and tafakkur and looking at everything.
0: The way that those words can change a human being and society. Absolutely, yes. Islamic civilization from Spain to China was a product of these words. Yes, Quran mm. is at the root of uh, uh, what we call the Islamic civilization. Mm. So the Quran is the seed, mm. and the tree, and the fruit mm. is what we call the Muslim civilization. Yes. So without the Quran, there is no Islam. Without Without Islam, there is no Islamic or the Muslim civilization. Mm. Okay, so what happened uh, from Spain to China for, mm. let's say, over a thousand years mm. is a direct product of words. Mm. Kalamullah. Yes. Words were uttered yes. in the 7th century in Arabia by, let's say, an unlettered mm. shepherd or a simple man. Mm. Okay, uh, Simple because of his living style, not simple in the mind. Of course, he was a very sophisticated person. Mm. Allah guided him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to him and he became um, a teacher, Mm. a guide. And his words, or words that came through his mouth, Mm. uh, through revelation and inspiration, those words completely transformed not only his own people, Mm. but the people around those people. Mm. And within a century, within a century, uh, these very words created civilization of an unprecedented scale Subhanallah. the largest chunk of land ever ruled by a people uh, to date yes okay within a century yes that and and this is why the muslim civilization was a phenomenon mm. okay and you know what I, I i reflect upon
1: this when you're talking about the civilization part of it mm. is that if you were going to train mm. today mm. governance mm. people to govern mm political science say political science courses university mm. right so this is and then you have people who are ambitious enthusiastic I want to be leaders mm. I want to be get, get into politics I want to have a different position be member of parliament whatever mm. and so you're, you you look at okay this is maybe how government works and mm. so you're looking at it at that specific narrow scope mm. right mm. and how to accomplish that mm. but subhanAllah so if you look at how this sahaba radiya'u Achieve position of government governance mm. across huge swaths of the world. It wasn't told specifically. This is how a government needs to be structured. Mm. But rather, it went to the core of what should, uh, should the purpose of that government be?
0: Yeah,
1: and the, and, and the, that should be to fulfill the purpose, right? Yeah. One's life and
0: and underlying principles. Yes, to right. not. Not the entire structure necessarily, yes, exactly. But the guiding principles, the pur- uh, what we call yeah. the parameters. Yes, they were given uh, so that we can uh, uh, have a system yeah. governed by these rules. Yes. So the rules were defined. Yes. Okay. Not necessarily the details of the system. Yes. Yeah, like
1: like yeah. say the how. Like how are we going to implement? Like we have these exactly. rules. Yeah. But then again, those rules are dependent on fundamental principles. Yes. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you know, for example, what would work in Jazz is not going to work in Hashan, Yes. you know at that moment or in Yemen yeah. or you know in, in other areas uh, in Azerbaijan yeah. you know what I mean but you take that, that meaning and then you can take and those fundamental principles and you can go anywhere and that I think is more powerful governance yeah. than just knowing the details and the minutiae of mm. how
0: a bureaucracy for example yeah. and that's why Islamic civilization is so color- colorful yes it ruled uh, over different people uh, from different ethnicities with different languages, and it ruled effectively and brought people together, and really brought out the true potential of the people. Yes. They were able to exercise their cultures, yes. uh, their norms yes. under the umbrella of Islam, even if they didn't, even if they didn't accept Islam. Yes. They, bec- they they became immersed yes. within the Islamic civilization, and there are so many Jewish people. The Jewish people. Yes. The Jewish people survived for over a thousand years under the Muslim protection. Yes. Okay. And the golden age of the Jewish people was yes. in Al-Andalus, in Spain, mm. right? For nearly three centuries the Jewish people prospered and they flourished and they blossomed. Mm. The word blossomed yes. is very important. Okay. Yeah. It is one thing to survive, it is another to blossom. Okay. And hence the hence the 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 notion of the golden age, yes. so called. Right, uh, where some of the best poets, some of the best intellectuals, philosophers, theologians, politicians, statesmen, okay, yeah. military generals—I'm specifically talking about the Jewish people. Yes, I'm not talking about the Muslims. Yes, yes. Okay, uh, and all of this was achieved within those three centuries in Al Andalus. Mm-hmm. How, how does that happen? It's even though they are not part of the faith yeah. that facilitates all this. Yes. So, on that note. Let's move to the podcast Uh, and save some some information for the podcast. We're going to invest some conversation. As-salamu everyone. Adnan Rasheed here. I just want to request that every single one of you must subscribe to LifeHuck. Uh, podcast youtube channel a lot of amazing content is going to come up a series on ottomans is already there so watch this space and subscribe do not miss this opportunity to be exposed to amazing content on islamic intellectual history and the history of islamic dynasties and all of that so life hack is your channel subscribe alaikum